Welcome, everyone. Dr. Anthony Cornelia Fourth here, also known as Dr. Finance. You're on the Dr. Finance Live podcast. We got an amazing guest today. We got David Meltzer in the house, folks. This David is an incredible guy, incredibly successful entrepreneur in so many fields. Uh, let's give a warm welcome for D- David Meltzer. Welcome, David. How are you, sir? Amazing. I'm so excited to be here. I know you usually have a lot more time with your guests, but I promise you and your audience to bring as many nuggets, financial nuggets as I can within the next 30 minutes. So I appreciate your patience, your flexibility, but most of all, appreciate the opportunity to speak through you to your incredible community. Thank you, David. David, uh, in in the honor of the the regular tradition, can we, uh, can you maybe 30 seconds. Just tell everybody about yourself. It's a quick like bio, and then we'll get into your story for just a few minutes before we, we have some questions for you. So, Yeah, my bio is simple. Graduated law school, completely poor. Nine months out of law school, became a millionaire. My first exit was in 95 with West Publishing, $3.4 billion. By the time I was 30, I was a multimillionaire running Samsung's phone division, where Lee Steinberg, the most notable sports agency in the world, hired me as CEO because not of my sports or lawyer background, but most importantly, my technology background. I then partnered with Warren Moon, the Hall of Fame quarterback, to create Sports One Marketing, a global sports marketing company based off of raising charity around the biggest sporting events in the world with the biggest people in the world, billionaires, millionaires, entrepreneurs, celebrities, athletes, and entertainers. Last five years, I've been simultaneously building my personal brand to empower over a billion people to be happy, to teach people how to make a lot of money, help a lot of people, and have a lot of fun. So I do TV shows on Apple, Amazon, Netflix. We have movies. We have a podcast with 1,200 or more episodes, one of the top in the world, all to empower people. Everything has a charitable purpose or cause. My books, exercises, guides, speeches, coaching, everything I do is to empower others, to empower others, to be happy, to make money, help people and have fun. So this seemed like the perfect place to spend 30 minutes. That's awesome. Thank you, David. Appreciate that. So David, for the next few minutes, just like to get a little more details on your story. Where were you originally from? And uh, you know how, how did you get to be is extremely successful. You were one of the top sports executives in the world. I mean, you, you like you said, you, you worked for um, a, a gentleman who, who Lee Steinberg, who basically was that movie, uh, I, I believe. Jerry uh, Maguire. Jerry Maguire. Yeah. was based off of that. Right. Yeah. So I grew up in Akron, Ohio with a single mom. My dad left when I was five. She raised six kids, five boys and a girl and worked two jobs. One is a second grade teacher. The other packing our dinner and paper bag to fill up turnstiles at convenience stores with greeting cards just so we could eat. My dream in life, you'll get this doctor finance, was to be rich. You know why? Because I was super happy. The only time I wasn't happy was because of financial need. The car breakdown, no summer school, you know, no camps, no extra clothes. I had hand-me-down underwear. I mean, I was poor. We had food stamps at times. So in my mind, from such a young age, I thought if I could just be rich, I could buy my mom a house, a car, I'd be happy forever. Money was going to buy me love and happiness. And I went down that journey. And unfortunately, ironically for me, my dreams were met at an early age. Everything in my life from the time I was 24 to 34 confirmed that money buys love and happiness. I was Midas. I did it all by myself. But like life loves to do to us, it brought the messages and the lessons. And I had some great pain, setbacks, and failures to teach me those lessons to get 
me to where I am today. That's incredible, David. And, you know, like the great Victor Frankl, Frankl uh, talks about uh, the, the existential frustration. That's when people are frustrated with their existence because they put the wrong things as their purpose, money, power, things like that. And, and, and unfortunately, it's, I'm very, I commend you for being so brave and honest about that uh, journey you went through because a, a lot of people really need to hear that. They think that money should be the, the end goal. But I don't think we do enough interviews like that where people will come out and, and admit that because that's, that's a horrible situation where you, you think money's the goal. You want to be a billionaire. You get to be a billionaire and you have no friends, no life, and no one loves you. And your funeral is is uh, <laughs> chirping like crickets, so it's it's not uh, it's not a pleasant situation. So thank you, David. Yeah, the people that don't know you think that you have everything and you have nothing, and we end up with nothing. We go from nothing to nothing in life, but it's what we do in between and the meaning that we give. Like you said, and Viktor Frankl wrote a book, "Man's Search for Meaning." It's the meaning that we give for those inflection points, those defining moments, the pain, setbacks, and failures and mistakes. I lost over one hundred million dollars. I went bankrupt in two thousand and eight, and the meaning I gave it at the time was one of the most tragic things that ever happened to me. I had to go tell my mom not only I was bankrupt, but the only reason I wanted to be rich was to buy her a house and a car. And I was so stupid, I forgot to take my mom's house out of my name, so I lost her house. So not only did I go bankrupt, but I had to move her because she lost her house. This is how stupid I was. This is the bottom of the bottom. I always say my basement had a basement, but what it gave me was meaning. And the meaning changed over the last 16 years from the most tragic thing that ever happened to me to the most empowering, enlightening, catalytic thing that's ever happened to me because it shifted my paradigm of money from one that buys love and happiness to allowing me to shop. And I had to learn how to shop for the right things because people who have money and shop for the right things, they're extremely happy. Thank you, David. Appreciate that. David, we're going to do, do a little bit of an audible here considering the time constraints. I'm going to flip-flop. I'm going to ask you two questions. Just, they're not even questions. They're really just about your books and your podcast. And then we'll go straight to um, my temple questions I've asked everyone on here. And whatever, whatever we've got time for after that, we'll just we'll flow with that, if that's okay with you. Thank of you, course. David. Anything you want to do, Doc. All right. Thank you, David. And by the way, I'm here to serve you. I, we, we both have a lot of common friends, and we're doing a lot of common things. If there's any way that I can help you out, you know, j- just let me know. I'm here for you, David. Thank you. All right. Um, so let's start with your book. So do you do you have any books that you'd like to talk about? Uh, maybe 30 seconds or so? Yeah. So I have four books that are published, eight that are written. I'm holding off releasing the others until my community grows even bigger with my mission of empowering over a billion people. Connected to goodness will take every nothingness in your life and make it a possibility, probability, and your perspective to your reality to teach you how to make a lot of money, help a lot of people, and have a lot of fun. I wrote a book called Compassionate Capitalism that when you make that money, how to utilize and give meaning to the money that you've made and a purpose to what you do I wrote a book called Unstoppable, Creating the Life You Love with Jack Canfield, who wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul. We wrote a book, a workbook for people on how to effectuate making money, helping people and having fun. And then my final book published by McGraw-Hill, Game Time Decision-Making, teaches you not only the values of gratitude, forgiveness, accountability, and inspiration, but five daily practices to know what you want, 
who you can help, who can help you, how best to get that done pragmatically within the man-made construct of time to prioritize the antidote of procrastination and feeling overwhelmed to apply your why, not in search of why. No longer do you have to get more happy, more healthy, more wealthy, or more worthy. Simply, you are. I am happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy. What am I doing to interfere with it? It's the prioritization and the decisions that we make that determine how we clear that interference between us and the abundant world that we live in. Thank you, David. That's brilliant. David, where are you, where, where are you located currently, by the way? Uh, so I have several homes, but I'm in Orange County, California by San Juan Capistrano. We have a home in San Diego, place in New York. Uh, so we're bi-coastal, but this is where our family is raised and is uh, housed. Oh, okay. Thank you, David. By the way, if you ever come to Philadelphia, I'm your guy. <laughs> I come to Philly. I'm coming there soon. I love it there. We'll go to, you know, I love a good cheesesteak with a good friend. So I'd love to go with you. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you, David. All right, David, next uh, question. I want to talk about your podcast. I think that's important to at least highlight here because I know you're doing amazing things. And I, I, as a podcast guy, looking at who you've interviewed, I'm like, wow, you know, it's just amazing. So David, you want to tell us a little bit about that? Maybe 30 seconds? Yeah, so I've done uh, called the playbook, and basically based off of Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich, uh, I've gathered over 1,200 of the billionaires, millionaires, entrepreneurs, celebrities, athletes, and entertainers to extract their playbook to success, to help empower over a billion people to be happy. And so I take the greatest minds, the greatest people, and I ask them for their secret sauce because the fastest way to get to where you want to be is ask someone who's already there for direction. So some of the people that you've had on, like Les Brown, and Sharon Lecter and a variety of other great leaders. But I've also had, you know, the biggest names in sports, uh, everyone, from, you know, Cameron Diaz to Dan Aykroyd to Brett Favre and Warren Moon and Lee Steinberger, of course. But we've had Austin Eckler and Darren Waller, just in, it's over 1,200 people. Wow. So would love for you uh, to utilize that as a modern day think and grow rich to learn the playbook of success from who you want to be when you grow up. You had tw- you interviewed twelve hundred people. I'm over twelve hundred episodes of just that <laughs> podcast. We have wow. hundreds of episodes of office hours. We do lives every day. My mission is to empower others. So every single day, we utilize the content to empower people by bringing on the biggest names in each industry to help people. That's incredible. Thank you, David. I know what it takes to just to do one interview for me. It ties up my whole day just for so many 1200. Jeez. Got to be coached by me, man. I'll teach you how to do 10 in a week. (laughs) Absolutely. All right. Uh, So David, so what do you think of uh, Clubhouse before we get into the Temple question? One last question, maybe 30. It's one of, 30 one of my favorite platforms uh, because of the mobility and the impact that it has. And so, you know, unlike us doing this podcast today, it takes time, preparation, qu- equipment. Uh, what makes Clubhouse so wonderful is either you can listen in at any time you want or you could participate in any time you want, anywhere, anytime. And there's the leaders of the world that just pop on and off. The amount of information that you get for free and can give for free is extraordinary. When you're on a mission to empower over a billion people, it's probably one of the best platforms to communicate on. Thank you, David. And by the way, David, you, you hold one room a week, uh, 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern time on Friday. Is that right? So I do my free trainings every Friday at 10 a.m. Uh, 
Eastern time and it's on clubhouse it's on multi-platforms, but I also have an ask me anything show on Mondays at 3 PM Pacific time where I take 30 minutes a day just to answer questions. I'm kind of nicknamed the Oracle of entrepreneurship. So I'm a great uh, hot seat coach, taking quick questions of any area and helping people with the answer situation, knowledge, experience, dummy tax, and even relationship capital, introducing people to other people that can help. That's incredible. Thank you, David. Well, I'm I'm there to support you every every Friday as long as I can. Thank so. you. And Amelia Antonetti, right before you, you know, you got two and great after. superstars. I'm sandwiched by Amelia, who I coach, <laughs> so she's amazing. She's awesome. Thank you, David. All right, David, we're gonna go right into the temple questions and whatever we got time for after. Uh, so these questions are just standard questions on the show. Figure about 20, 30 seconds each or less. Um, so first one is something really easy. Like, can one book change the world? Absolutely. Course in Miracles is my favorite. Which one? Course in Miracles. Oh, Course in Miracles. Thank you, David. Um, what role has networking played in your life? It is my whole world. Finding sponsors, people who know people that can help me, empower sponsors, finding open-minded people and asking open-ended questions uh, to find how I can be of service or value or how they can be of service or value to me is a core foundational principle of my success. Thank you, David. Brilliant response. Uh, next question, uh, is mentoring important? And who are some of your mentors? This is kind of an extension of the last question. Mentoring is essential. Everybody should have at least three mentors at all times. People who sit in a situation that you want to be in and asking them for help, asking them for directions on how to get to where they are. So I have mentors all over the place. I have a sleep mentor. I have a business coach. I have a fitness and nutrition mentor. I have a variety of mentors are all prioritized by the non-negotiables of my life, my health, my family, and of course, the activity I get paid for. Thank, thank you, David. What are your favorite financial books? Financial books, uh, Think and Grow Rich, uh, Surrender Experiment, Atomic Habits, uh, Sherry Lecter, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Uh, you know, For me, th those are the best financial books. Th thank you, David. I had to ask that question on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> um, so next one is, do we need money to survive? Yes. So, you know, in order to survive, you need to have some sort of uh, of commerce and money is the medium, is the energy that we use uh, here in America. And yes, you need money to survive. Thank you, David. And next and very important question, is finance necessary for everyone? Why or why not? I believe so. So I believe that in the pragmatic world that we can only give what we have and that if we don't understand financial literacy and abundance in finance, that we are limiting our capacity uh, to be and to do or be happy, meaning to make a lot of money, help a lot of people and have a lot of fun. You need finance. That's my mission. That's my goal. That's my message. Brilliant. Brilliant. Thank you. All right. Uh, next question. How important is having a purpose in business? And what is your purpose? My purpose are my thoughts about my purpose. And it's essential to have a purpose. Like I suggested earlier, so many people are in search of their purpose. They're in search of their why instead of applying their why. And whether you're religious, philosophical, or theoretical, I believe you have to believe in abundance. You have to believe in something bigger than you that loves you more than your mom. Therefore, the pain, setbacks, failures, and mistakes in your life are always promoting and protecting you, not punishing you. You absolutely need to, to uh, have that perspective. 
brilliant, David. This is this is incredible. <laughs> you you move at the speed of lightning. I love it. So some sometimes it takes a very long time to get through these questions. Uh, David, all right. So next two temple questions. What would you like to accomplish in the next ten years or so, and why? So my mission is to empower over a billion people to be happy. And so in the next 10 years, I'd like to find as many people like you, uh, doctor, because if I can empower you to make a lot of money, to help a lot of people and have a lot of fun, but not just empower you, but empower you to empower others, which you're doing already with the episodes that you've had and the podcast and the books, everything that you do, if I can find you know, more of you in the next 10 years that can empower more of you to empower more of you. I get the exponentiality. Go back to Einstein's rule of 72, compound interest, aggregation of behavior. It works with people as well as money. And as a firm and kind student of aggregated effect of accumulation and compound interest, in the next 10 years, my goal is to compound the empowerment, to compound the interest and the attention and intention to help people make a lot of money, help a lot of people and have a lot of fun. Imagine if we create a collective consciousness of abundance of a whole bunch of empowered people that make a ton of money help a ton of people and have a ton of fun. Imagine what the world would be like. David, that is such a brilliant response. I think we could have a whole show just on that answer. Like, I mean, think about it. Jim Rohn did this, right? Like with Tony Robbins. And we had, um, we have some, one of his business partners on here before, and he actually was talking about how Jim Rohn didn't want to be the superstar. He wanted to be the guy who found superstars. Like he didn't want the limelight. I mean, if you can keep finding the Tony Robbins, like <laughs> yeah. imagine... Imagine how great that uh, of a career. How do you, you think Jay Z made all his money? It wasn't from <laughs> making music himself. He was finding all the guys making the music. Mm, that's brilliant. I love it. All right, uh, last temple question: What would you like to be your legacy to this world? Oh, that's easy. Kindness. I think people discount, diminish, and dissipate the value of kindness. Uh, being able to provide value of service and acknowledgement and through kindness, radical humility, asking for more. It's not just being kind by giving everything that you can and providing value and service to everyone else, but having the humility to ask for help and allow someone else to feel the joy, fulfillment, passion, and purpose that comes along with helping others. We deny so much kindness. We deny so much inspiration because we're afraid or aren't humble enough to be kind and to ask for kindness. So kindness, if anything that could be on my tombstone. If it just said, here lies David Meltzer, he was kind, I would have lived my life in the right trajectory. Wow. I love it. All right. Thank you, David. All right, David, we've passed the bonus, uh, the temple question. We're in the bonus round now. So here's some questions I think that you might like. Um, <clears throat> so first one is, are people who are born risk, rich disadvantaged to achieving their life's maximum potential? So there are a lot of people, let me preface that question, that are born rich, but the, the, because of their being rich, like people think, oh, that, they're, they're so jealous of them. But the reality is they're so disadvantaged. But I don't want, I don't want to preface the answer. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Well, first of all, I love this question. And if I wasn't in the bonus one, I wouldn't take the time to tell you that. <laughs> but I, I just have to tell you, I start off, you know, I speak around the world. And I just spoke on Sunday at the Long Beach Convention Center, 2,000 people. And I started out by saying, who's here is, is rich? And, you know, and half the people raise their hand. I said, who here grew up poor? And half the people, you know, raised their hand. I said, I feel sorry for the rest of you. Um, so um, 
you can't teach poor, right? You, you can learn rich, but you can't teach poor. And what does that mean? That just because you're rich doesn't mean you were born on third base and you think you hit a home run, but you have much more of a danger of feeling that way, of being entitled. Uh, I will tell you from experience, especially within the context of my internship program, that half of the interns that I take, they earn it. They have resumes that are in extraordinary shape, right? They have extreme skill, knowledge, and desire. And half of the kids that I take in internships are from relationships. And, you know, my greatest fear was there'd be this huge separation between the kids who earned it that were chosen from their resumes and interviews and the kids that got the internship because of my relationships with the high-powered elite of the world. The truth is, 50% of the kids that I choose from the resumes were entitled, and 50% of the kids that were quote-unquote rich were entitled. And what I learned was that if we can empower rich or poor kids, if we can empower them to enjoy the consistent, persistent pursuit of their potential, the rich have a huge advantage over the empowered people, not the entitled. See, the entitled people, whether you're rich or poor, you end up in happy with unhappy and usually with nothing. Your wealth dissipates, dissolves, and disappears because I was self-entitled, right? I wasn't grew up rich, but all the lessons that I learned from being poor, they were left with entitlement. And then when I regained it, I was able to make more money, help more people and have more fun. So what I want to explain to people is if you're entitled, whether rich or poor, you're in the same shape. But if you're empowered to enjoy the consistent, persistent pursuit of your potential, you have a huge advantage by growing up rich because <laughs> your starting point so much further, your relationship capital, the spheres of influence are so much more valuable to some rich empowered person than someone that's poor and empowered. There's tons of poor empowered people that are so far behind the rich empowered kid that just gets every opportunity and takes advantage of it. That is a brilliant answer, David. I, I'm going to listen to the recording, of course, and uh, <laughs> I want to slow that down because that's just the, <laughs> that's brilliant what you just said. Thank you, David. All right, David, uh, next question. Well, I, I forgot to talk about this. How does it feel to be the CEO of the most famous sports agency in the world? And, and I want to reference the Jerry Maguire thing. Maybe you can explain yeah. that in a minute or so. So I was blessed to be CEO of uh, Lee Steinberg Sports Entertainment. So not only was I myself very wealthy, but I had access to things that even billionaires could afford. Sidelines at Super Bowls, back cabins at the Masters, the SBZ Emmys, the Oscars, the Grammys, all of this. And I will tell you that, it is very difficult to have what other people perceive as the dream job because it's still what you make it. It's still like Viktor Frankl suggests, it's still the meaning that you give it. And at different times I gave it the wrong meaning. Uh, and at times I did give it the right meaning when I was on the trajectory of utilizing the position I had to empower other people, to make more money, help more people and have more fun. Uh, but it can be extremely stressful, lonely and any profession. If you have what other people perceive as a dream job, you are the one that give meaning to what you do. I call it, I don't believe in jobs. I believe in activity you get paid for because if I can maximize my activities and get paid for more activities, jobs seem really hard. They seem to create resistance, void shortages and obstacles. Jobs seem to have you know, employees and overhead. Activities I get paid for 
don't necessarily have any of those. So uh, I try to my best give the meaning to the dream positions that I hold today and have held in the past so that I can appreciate, acknowledge, and ask for more. Thank you, David. David, by the way, real quick, did, were, did that movie, was that based off of you? It was based off of Lee Steinberg. Uh, I was the CEO of the firm, but Lee was the actual founder oh. of, of the sports agency. I got you. Okay, thank you, yeah. David. Appreciate it. And I had uh, Darren Prince on here, too. He Yeah, great friend of mine, man. Me and D, <laughs> we're Jews for Joel Osteen, man. We're good, we're good friends. He's Yeah, he's a great guy. He grew up outside Philadelphia, too, so yeah. in Jersey. Yeah, so. Um, all right. Thank you, David. One, one last question. I think we'll, we'll take us to closing. Um, should we take advice from family or friends who are not competent in the subject? We need advice on. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> one of my favorite lessons in the world is just because somebody loves you doesn't mean they give you good advice. My mom, and she overloves me. I'm sure you living in Philly have been around moms like mine. My mom thinks too highly of her children. When I graduated law school, I had a choice to be an oil and gas litigator and make 150 grand plus bonus as a lawyer or work in the internet. And my mom told me, and she loves me more than anyone. She said, David, you better be a real lawyer. You better take this litigation job because the internet, it's never going to work out. It's a fad. No one's ever going to do research on the internet. Don't do it. You know, you're in... <laughs> All I think is just because someone loves you doesn't mean they give you good advice. Let me explain this because we do have one more minute. Let me explain this to you, what, what this means. There's two types of people. There's ignorant people, people that don't know what they don't know. And then there's ignorant people, people that don't know what they don't know. The difference between the two ignorant people is that there's ignorant, arrogant people and our parents or people who love us have ignorant arrogance because they're so afraid for you to be hurt. They're so afraid for you not to have happiness, stability, and money that they create this arrogance that is stemming from ignorance. They're so afraid for you that they make up shit like they know it. And so they say things like the internet will never last. You shouldn't buy that house. You should buy this. Bullshit. They don't know what the F they're talking about. What you want to look for is ignorant, humble people that not only know they don't know what they don't know, but they ask for help from people that do. And they also only help people with what they know best about. So I don't ask Sharon Lecter about sports advice. I ask Sharon Lecter about financial advice. And you can see why. And Sharon Lecter loves me almost as much as my mom loves me. But if I was asking her for advice about football, she might give it to me because she loves me so much, but she doesn't know what she doesn't know. So find the ignorant, humble people that are in a position in understanding to be an advisor, to give you directions that are uh, based on knowledge, not on love. That's a brilliant answer. Thank you, David. And David, um, we're going to close out now. Before we do, though, I'd just like to... Um, leave the floor for you. Any last things you'd like to talk about or whatnot? And then I'll, I'll end it and hopefully you can hang out till, till the end. I would, I would love that opportunity. Just real quickly, my mission is to empower people to make money, help people and have fun. Everything I do, I try to do for free. My books, my guides, my exercise, my free training that you come to, please reach directly out for, to, to me. I'm happy to sign a book, send it to you. I'll pay for the book. I'll pay for shipping. I have exercises, guides, practices, just reach out to me, david at dmeltzer.com. My first name's David, 
at my first initial D, Meltzer, like seltzer with an M, david at dmeltzer.com. If you forget the email address, just Google me. I'm everywhere. David Meltzer, come join me. Help me empower you to empower others to be happy. I love this platform. I'm glad and hope I gave enough nuggets in the 30 minutes. Dr. Anthony, Dr. Finance, I appreciate you so much. And we will do this again. Absolutely. Thank you, David. And where can they find you on social media? At David Meltzer, my name, at David Meltzer. Uh, okay, Twitter, but you like Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff. Yeah, right? at okay. David Meltzer. At David Meltzer. Okay, great. Thank you, David. David, we're going to close out. If, if you, you can hang in there just for a moment, I'm going to uh, just let everyone know, folks. Thank you, Dr. Anthony Crenade, fourth year. You've been watching, oh, this way, Dr. Finance Live Podcast. This is the uh, Dr. Fi- Finance Live Podcast. Here's the website, drfinance.info. And we're going to blast this out on YouTube and all the 20 plus major podcast directories. So stay tuned. And comment, like, and subscribe if you can. Here's my three major books on finance. When I was a finance professor for 10 years, The Necessity of Finance, my first book. And then The Most Important Lessons in Economics and Finance. Finally, my final book, The Survival of the Rich, is about 500 plus pages with all my conclusions in here. So check them out, folks. Check David's books out that he mentioned earlier. And we'll see you on the next podcast. Thank you, folks. Appreciate everyone. Bye-bye now.